From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing, Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance, and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Unmissable news stories of the day. This is the Beijing Hour. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour. One hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host, Sui, with you on this Wednesday, October eighteenth, twenty twenty-three. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, Chinese President Xi Jinping announces steps for high-quality Belt and Road cooperation. Hundreds killed in a hospital blast in Gaza. Ukraine has deployed long-range missiles supplied by the United States. In business, China's economy grows faster than expected. In sports, England beat Italy to secure their place at Euro 2024. In culture and entertainment, the Belt and Road media community continues to expand. Now, today's top stories. We begin with the third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation in Beijing. World leaders have gathered at the Great Hall of the People for the opening ceremony. Chinese President Xi Jinping delivered a keynote speech, saying China will work with all parties involved to usher Belt and Road cooperation into a new stage of high-quality development to achieve modernization for all countries. Zhao Yunfei reports on some of the highlights from the scene. It's Beijing's moment as the Chinese capital welcomes world leaders, charting the course for the common good. Chinese President Xi Jinping shared his vision of cooperation between countries under the Belt and Road Framework. We have learned that humankind is a community with a shared future. China can only do well when the world is doing well. When China does well, the world will get even better. Through Belt and Road cooperation, China is opening its door even wider to the world. An additional 80 billion yuan will be injected into the Silk Road Fund. Together, they will support BRI projects on the basis of market and business operation. The modernization we are pursuing is not for China alone, but for all developing countries through our joint efforts. 
Global modernization should be pursued to enhance peaceful development and mutually beneficial cooperation and bring prosperity to all. The Belt and Road Initiative has not just focused on infrastructure and trade. Cooperation has expanded to new industries such as healthcare, low-carbon energy, the digital economy and innovation. The meeting hall is flanked by the flags of participating countries. Through the Belt and Road Initiative, China's friend circle has become larger, and the initiative has brought a new path for the world to realize modernization. The Chinese president first announced the initiative during official visits to Kazakhstan and Indonesia in 2013. A decade of endeavor has left tangible outcomes. China has signed over 230 cooperation documents with more than 150 countries and 30 international organizations. The chair's statement from this year's summit captures the consensus among participants and lays out the future direction of cooperation, a list of multilateral cooperation deliverables and a list of practical projects have also been released. The Belt and Road Initiative has brought far-reaching global impact in the past 10 years. This gathering has carried on the foundation, taking the friendship to the next level for the common development and prosperity. That was Zhao Yunfei reporting from the Chinese capital. World leaders attending the ceremony have lauded the achievements of the BRI in the past decade. Many also shared their expectations for it in the future. Russian President Vladimir Putin says the BRI has been an important platform for multilateralism. I agree with the president of the PRC that the Chinese One Belt, One Road idea falls logically within multilateral efforts to strengthen creative and constructive interaction at the scale of the whole international community. Indonesian President Joko Widodo rejects the politicization of the initiative by some and notes it has become more relevant amid an increasingly divided world. Amidst an increasingly divided world, BR cooperation must not be politicized. This requires our collective efforts in maintaining its core values in order for this initiative to become stronger and more impactful. Speaking of the BRI as a major platform for international cooperation, the Argentine president notes it does not collide with other existing global and regional mechanisms. The Bell and Road Initiative, which was proposed on the basis of principle of building together, has become a promising international initiative for global cooperation. For us, supporters of multilateralism, the BRI is a mechanism that promotes relations among countries. This initiative does not compete with existing regional mechanisms, but promotes synergy by bringing out the strength of participating countries. Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, meanwhile, highlights the BRI's focus on collective progress among participants. The BRI, which is a laudable ambition to connect Asia, Europe and Africa, is a significant international cooperation initiative anchored in the principles of collective progress. Guests from more than 140 countries and over 30 international organizations are attending the forum in the Chinese capital, which marks the 10th anniversary of the BRI. One of the highlights at the third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation is the emphasis on the digital economy. China has been collaborating with its BRI partner countries to bridge the digital gap among nations. The Hongyu has more. Since its inception a decade ago, the Belt and Road Initiative has evolved far beyond an ambitious infrastructure plan. As an emerging growth driver that largely contributes to GDP increase of major economies, 
the digital economy has become a focal point of BRI cooperation. For example, in Saudi Arabia, over 70% of its population are internet users, about the same level in China. However, while Chinese people are increasingly reliant on the internet for activities such as shopping, dining, transportation, and learning, people in Saudi Arabia have just awakened to the convenience of online services, but are way more cautious and reluctant when it comes to online payment. Shi Songrei is engaged in cross-border e-commerce between China and Saudi Arabia. He says the main obstacle hindering the development of the digital economy in the country is inefficient logistics, which erodes trust in online payment. In Saudi Arabia, e-commerce is like how it used to be in China years ago, especially with the older generation. There used to be concerns about not getting what they ordered online, but now online shopping is quite normal in our life. A low delivery accuracy rate can slow down this shift in attitude. If products don't get delivered reliably, people won't trust online shopping. China boasts one of the world's largest and most extensive logistics systems, and its delivery companies have recognized the huge demand in Saudi Arabia. As an example, JNT Express has recently begun operating in the Middle Eastern country. They can deliver packages to destinations up to 500 kilometers away in just one day, a pace similar to the average delivery speed in China. Xu says, apart from logistics, the two countries are highly complementary in many other aspects, and that is why he sees a huge potential for cooperation in the digital economy. Saudi Arabia is weak in manufacturing, so a lot of Chinese companies are attracting investments from this country. A project that couldn't win bids in the competitive Chinese market might find success in the Middle East. Saudi investors are reaching out and asking if our company is looking for investment. China is aligning the Belt and Road Initiative with Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030, with the two countries committing to joint efforts in various areas, including the digital economy. And not just Saudi Arabia, China and many other BRI partner countries have consistently emphasized cooperation in the realm of the digital economy. Dr. Zhou Mi is a senior research fellow at the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. He says the digital economy is an irreversible trend, but it's essential not to overlook the associated risks. We know the e-commerce or digital economies cooperation have not an universal uh, rules in the world. So many uh, institutions, including the WTO, are trying to define what are the universal principles or some basic principles for the cooperation in this regard. So the companies, the countries, and all the related stakeholders, when they are exploring this area, maybe they are entering some new and open space. Maybe there are some risks in the future, not only for the companies, but also for the government. Despite the challenges, experts say developing countries are more and more aware of the economic potential of digital technologies, and they note that in some emerging economies, digital economy might be more crucial than infrastructure development. With the Belt and Road Initiative entering a new phase, BRI partner countries are anticipating this new economic engine to drive further progress and transformation. For the Beijing Hour, this is Dou Hongyu.
Rwanda and coffee beans are increasingly capturing the attention of Chinese consumers thanks to deepening collaboration between the two countries under the Belt and Road Initiative. As the digital economy continues to evolve, Rwanda has been exporting a variety of specialty products to the Chinese market. Zhu Tianlu has details. Rwandan ambassador to China James Kimonio has emerged as a key figure in promoting Rwandan specialty products on Chinese live streaming channels, earning him the nickname "Best Spokesperson for Rwandan Products." This is an opportunity for us to showcase, talk about Rwanda's product, culture, and traditions. The beautiful rolling hills in Rwanda are home to coffee plantations of various size. The high altitude environment and volcanic soil cultivate the unique flavor of Rwandan coffee. Remarkably, in Rwanda, one out of every thirty people is a coffee farmer. However, due to the country's landlocked geography and limited access to global trade routes, Rwanda mainly exports raw coffee beans, resulting in meager incomes for the hardworking local coffee farmers. Through the digital economy cooperation under the Belt and Road Initiative, Ambassador Kimonio says Rwandan coffee can now directly enter the Chinese market. Uh, digital economy is becoming very important in the world. Digital uh, technologies to be able to reach the market easier than the conventional way. Then you are increasing, you know, expanding the opportunity for the farmers to be able to sell their products. By eliminating intermediaries in the sales process, Rwandan coffee farmers now earn an extra four U.S. dollars for every kilogram of coffee beans they sell. Coffee farmer Maniraguha Pascal shares his experience. As a coffee farmer, I rely on farming to pay for health insurance for my family. I can make a living for my family. Apart from coffee, Rwandan chili peppers have also found a burgeoning market in China. Yuizi Manaherman, a Rwandan chili pepper distributor who holds a PhD from the Chinese Academy of Sciences, returned to his homeland to promote digital agriculture. Through make-to-order production, he has significantly expanded chili pepper cultivation and helped local farmers increase their income fivefold. I'm a witness and a beneficiary of friendship between both countries, China and Rwanda. One Belt and Road policy has brought more opportunities based on the mutual and win-win cooperation between both countries. Seeing the flourishing growth of China's digital economy, Ambassador Kimonio is bringing more Rwandan specialty products to China, building a bridge for cooperation and exchange between the two countries. Kimonio hopes to learn from China's experience in poverty reduction and development. The Belt and Road Initiative is an exceptional and, in my view, extraordinary opportunity.、Uh, really, I have to say, in the last ten years, we have been.、Uh, Uh, benefiting from this initiative because we need infrastructure, we need to be connected more, and China is a very, very important partner in this respect. China's active involvement in helping African countries, including Rwanda, develop the digital economy, has injected fresh momentum into economic recovery. Under the Belt and Road Initiative, Rwanda, a landlocked African country with a dense population, achieved a GDP growth of 8.2 percent in 2022, becoming one of the fastest-growing economies in Africa. For the Beijing Hour, this is Zhu Tianlu. 
Under the BRI, African countries like Nigeria have seen comprehensive investment and infrastructure upgrades, including ports, railways, and airports. While infrastructure construction remains the most visible component of the BRI, the initiative has also helped many companies from both sides enter new markets and led businesses to many untapped opportunities. For more, Jiang Tao spoke with Charles Anuaju, director of the Center for China Studies, Nigeria. Many people say that the Belt and Road Initiative has entered into a new stage. What's your interpretation, and、uh, what does that mean for African countries? The view that the BRI has entered a new stage is true,、uh, from the point of the fact that、um, the process is always evolving. From the time it was announced, since ten years ago, it's been evolving. The quality has been developing. Lessons have been learned from、uh, efforts made so far, so、um, it is continuously developing. And、um, the most important thing, like,、um, is the BRI is representative of the broad sentiment that exists in the world today. It represents the trend of the time, the fact of、uh, human desire for effective communication. It become clear. And、uh, apparent that、uh, no single country, no matter how big, no matter how endowed, can solve all the problems of its own. And、uh, I can assure you that Africa has、uh, vigorously engaged in this process, herself being more or less isolated from globalization earlier, in the sense that、uh, um, it didn't have much of what it takes. To effectively participate in the globalization process, but I think Belt and Road has provided the practical tools to engage, and、uh, the practical tools is network connectivity, connectivity of infrastructure. What benefits can African enterprises gain by involving in the initiative, and what emerging areas do you think China and African countries can cooperate in the future? Like you know, China has been African most uh, uh, largest trading partner in the past 14 years in a straight row, you know. And、uh, recently, there has been very important initiative on the Chinese side to provide access to African products to Chinese market. If you remember, in 2018, President Xi during the third forum during the third Africa China African Summit, he provided for. A permanent mechanism to promote trade between China and Africa, and、uh, principally give priority to the entrance of African products to Chinese market by establishing the African-China Trade and Economic Expo, which holds every two years in China's central province of Hunan, in Shanghai. And、uh, this mechanism has been a boost in China-African trade.、Uh, recently, a whole range of African products. Special agricultural products have been finding their ways to China, Namibia, the meat, the Zambian honey, the Rwandan spice, the South African spice, the Ethiopian tea. All are finding their ways to to the Chinese huge market and making tremendous impact in the Chinese market. That was Charles Anunaju, director of the Center for China Studies, Nigeria. As a key project of the Belt and Road Initiative, the China Railway Express makes a good example of how enhanced connectivity and infrastructure help foster global trade. Over the past ten years, more than 77,000 China Euro freight trains ran across the route. 
carrying more than 7.3 million TEUs, with values of goods surpassing 340 billion U.S. dollars, making it a vital land bridge between China and Europe. For more on this, Guo Yan spoke with Shan Jing, senior expert of global railway supply chain and researcher at the Institute of Railway Systems and Public Transport of Dresden Technical University. You once worked in the Austrian National Railways, which participated in the China Railway Express program. How do you view the fast growth of the Trans-Eurasian Freight Train service over the past decade? I just like my other European colleagues in logistics business. I didn't expect the Eurasia Freight Train grow like this, and the Eurasia Freight Train proves that it could be an alternative solution for the global supply chain. And this success depends on the cooperation of many countries. And、uh, I know it is the perfect cooperation between many railway companies, forward companies, and the、uh, customs. And、uh, I also really hope this growth will continue and sustainable. You've been living and working in Duisburg for many years. Duisburg was a well-known city built on coal mines and steel. What changes did the operation of the freight trains bring to the city? And are there any other cities like Duisburg that have benefited from the CR Express? I worked many years in Duisburg and、um, really feel the changes of the trains brought to the city. The Chinese investment are becoming more, and、uh, investment in logistics, property, warehousing. And setting up new companies and employing more local people. On the other side, Duisburg is becoming famous because of its influence on the music role, and it is also a big marketing opportunity for this city. Even it is relatively small and insignificant in Germany. Similar cities like Hamburg in Germany and many other cities、um, in Europe, like Malaysia in Poland. What's the significance of the growth of the freight trains in the global supply chain? I mean, judging from the fact that global logistics has long been dominated by air freight and sea shipment, I'm convinced that the international rail transport will becoming more in the future, and it will be become more important in the global supply chain because of the pursuit of green footprint of international companies、mm-hmm. and the need of creation of. A resilient supply chain, and the rail is very green. It uses electricity during transport. It's very environmental friendly. Sea transport is not always reliable. The congestion of Suez Canal in 2021 pushed the shippers to use Eurasia freight trains. And after success of Eurasia freight train between China and Europe, some other countries propose similar projects. We will see more international trains. Development in the future. That was Shan Qing, senior expert of global railway supply chain and researcher at the Institute of Railway Systems and Public Transport of Dresden Technical University. Coming up, hundreds killed in a hospital blast in Gaza. Nantong is one of the areas with the highest aging levels in China. Thirty percent of our residents are aged over sixty. Young people invariably choose to leave to work in big cities. Renowned for the longevity of its citizens, Nantong offers us a snapshot of how China is dealing with its demographic shift and aging challenge. Tune in to our special program, "Aging in China: The Story of Nantong," 
and meet the seniors and their families, caregivers and experts on Monday, October the 23rd, China's Seniors Day. It's 22 minutes past the hour. Clashes continue between Israel and Palestine. Gaza's health ministry spokesman says a recent Israeli airstrike has killed 500 people at a local hospital. Israel has countered a claim, saying it was a Palestinian barrage that caused a deadly blast. Media reports say this is by far the single deadliest attack in Gaza since violence began over a week ago. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has condemned the attack. He says his appeal to Israel to allow immediate access to humanitarian aid for Gaza while urging Hamas to release hostages unconditionally. The ongoing conflict so far has killed at least 4,300 people on both sides. More on the fatal bombing of the Gazan hospital, here's John Gabriel. There's conflicting information about what caused this explosion. Now Hamas, which runs the Gaza Strip and which Israel is at war with right now, has blamed this explosion on an airstrike. Israel, for its part, says that a misfired rocket that came from Gaza hit the hospital, causing the explosion. Footage after the attack just showed a tableau of horror, bodies strewn everywhere, paramedics trying to just step between them to find those still alive, to try to render aid to keep them alive. Now, all this comes as part of this punishing airstrike campaign that Israel has been launching since this Hamas attack about a week ago that saw Hamas kill some 1,400 Israelis and take another 200 as hostages. Meanwhile, this Israeli airstrike campaign has continued. We saw an airstrike that killed a top Hamas leader and also hit the home of the top, top Hamas leader. Meanwhile, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas says he will not be taking part in a planned visit that Biden meant to take to Jordan afterwards to meet with him. Across the region, we're hearing loud condemnation from most Arab nations, and we're seeing protests in the West Bank as well as in Amman and other places over this explosion at the hospital. All of this could lead to a wider regional war that could break out. We've seen Hezbollah to the north in Lebanon exchange fire with Israel over the last couple of days. Today, some five Hezbollah fighters were declared dead by that militant group. Now, Israel still thinks that Hezbollah is the most deadly terror group that it faces because it has so many rockets. It has hundreds of thousands of rockets and missiles that they can use to target Israel. And you have to keep in mind that Israel's Iron Dome defense system, which has about a 90% success rate, can shoot down some of these missiles, but if it's a large barrage, some of them could get through and hit targets in Israel. That's why we've seen America move so fast to provide support to Israel. We've seen one aircraft carrier in the Eastern Mediterranean, another's on its way. There's also some 2,000 troops that have been warned that they could be called up to provide some combat support, but not actually fight on the ground here. All this together and this hospital explosion shows that the risk of a regional escalation is very real. That was John Gabriel reporting. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up, Ukraine has deployed long-range missiles supplied by the U.S. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform and get ready to dive in. 
26 minutes past the hour. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has confirmed that the country has deployed ATACMS long-range missiles supplied by the United States. Our agreements with President Joe Biden are being implemented, and they are being implemented very accurately. The Tecum's missiles have proven themselves. A spokesperson for the White House National Security Council has confirmed that the U.S. transferred the Army tactical missile system to Ukraine. The system is a tactical ballistic missile with a range of up to 300 kilometers, meaning it can hit targets inside Russia. The Russian ambassador to the U.S. has condemned Washington's decision to supply Ukraine with the long-range missiles, calling a grave mistake that will have serious consequences. The diplomat says pumping weapons to Ukraine seriously undermines strategic and regional security. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the United States is capable of providing financial support to both Israel and Ukraine in their ongoing conflicts. The U.S. has provided weapons and security assistance to Israel in its conflict with Hamas militants in the Gaza Strip. Washington has also been heavily supporting Ukraine in its conflict against Russia. Yellen says the American economy is performing well and can afford to support both countries. I, I think the answer is absolutely. Um, America can certainly afford to stand with Israel and to support Israel's military needs. And we also can and must support Ukraine in its struggle against Russia. And look, the American economy is doing extremely well. She stresses the importance of protecting civilians as Israel continues to airstrikes on Gaza ahead of an expected ground offensive. Despite the current American support for Israel and difficulties in Congress over approving new aid packages for Ukraine, Yellen says supporting Kyiv remains a top priority for President Joe Biden. Let's check the weather. Beijing is 11 overnight, tomorrow sunny with a high of 21. Chongqing has moderate rain with 20 this evening, tomorrow cloudy with a high of 21. Lhasa is 2 overnight, tomorrow cloudy with 12. Hong Kong has heavy rain with 23 tonight, tomorrow showers with a high of 27. Elsewhere, Tokyo is 16 overnight, it'll be partly cloudy with 25 on Thursday. Islamabad is 13 tonight, tomorrow sunny and 27. Bangkok is 28 overnight, then partly cloudy and 34 on Thursday. Time for a short break. So far this hour, Chinese President Xi Jinping announces steps for high-quality Belt and Road cooperation. Hundreds killed in a hospital blast in Gaza. Ukraine has deployed long-range missiles supplied by the United States. So we with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. An German Railway Company, Deutsche Director of the International Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. 
CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你 This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you are a rookie, 你好，我的中文一点点 or a sophisticated learner. 我来北京五年了，我是本地人 There is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好 Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour. One hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host, Sui, with you on this Wednesday. Still to come in business, China's economy grows faster than expected. In sports, England beat Italy to secure their place at Euro 2024. In culture and entertainment, the Belt and Road Media community continues to expand. To contact us, you can email audionewsroom@cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. But first, today's headlines: Chinese President Xi Jinping says China will work with all parties involved to usher Belt and Road cooperation into a new stage of high-quality development. He was addressing the opening ceremony of the Third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation in Beijing. President Xi noted that the Belt and Road cooperation has been fruitful over the past ten years. He said China will carry out practical cooperation for the BRI, promoting both signature projects and livelihood programs. President Xi also vowed more financing support for BRI projects. He said China will carry out a thousand small-scale livelihood assistance projects and enhance vocational education cooperation through Luban workshops and other initiatives. Guests from more than 140 countries and over 30 international organizations are attending the forum in the Chinese capital, which marks the 10th anniversary of the BRI. Chinese President Xi Jinping has held talks with his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin on the sidelines of the Belt and Road Forum. President Xi said political mutual trust between China and Russia has continued to deepen over the years, and the two countries have maintained close and effective strategic coordination, with bilateral trade volume reaching a historical high. Calling the BRI a widely recognized international public good, President Putin says he hopes more countries will participate in it. The Palestinian Authority has declared a three-day public mourning for the victims of a rocket attack on a Gazan hospital Tuesday night, and for all the other Palestinian civilians who died in the ongoing conflict. Local media said hundreds of people were killed in what they said was an Israeli airstrike on the hospital in Gaza City. Meanwhile, the Israeli military said the hospital killing was caused by a failed rocket launch by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, a militant group in Gaza. Earlier, local eyewitnesses say a rocket hit the hospital, sending a huge explosion through its premises. Authorities say the hospital was housing hundreds of sick and wounded, and sheltering thousands of displaced civilians who were forced to flee their homes due to Israeli attacks. UN agencies have condemned the strike, saying it's totally unacceptable. The U.S. House of Representatives has failed to elect a new speaker in the first round of voting. Right-wing Republican Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, did not garner enough support from his own party two weeks after the ousting of Kevin McCarthy. Jordan won 200 votes from the 220 Republicans present. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic nominee, received all 212 votes from his party. Both of them fell shy of the 217 majority needed to become the next House Speaker. The Belgian Prime Minister has condemned the shooting that killed two Swedish nationals in Brussels. Alexander de Croo says terrorism is directed against people everywhere.
perpetrators that try to instill fear, distrust, and division in our free societies. Terrorism must, terrorists must understand that they will never succeed in their intent. They will never be able to subjugate our free societies. With their hatred and their violence, they only show their impotence. Terrorism will never defeat us. The prime minister has offered condolences to his Swedish counterpart and the families and friends of the victims. He also expressed solidarity with Sweden to fight against terrorism. Brussels raised the city terror alert to the highest level after the shooting incident on Monday, but has now downgraded the level to the second highest. The attack happened nearly five kilometers away from a stadium where Belgium was playing against Sweden during a Euro 2024 qualifier. Police have shot dead the suspected assailant. NASA says it will unveil its first sample collected from a near-Earth asteroid. The samples are pebbles and dust grabbed from the asteroid Bennu by the Orion 6 Rex spacecraft in 2020. The sample capsule was released from the spacecraft and returned to Earth last month. Orion Rex principal investigator Dante Loretta says it feels like he's seeing an old friend that he hasn't seen for a long time. I was there when it was encapsulated in the fairing. I was there when it was assembled and when it was installed on the spacecraft. I was there when it was nothing but a PowerPoint on a slide in a, in a proposal that we were submitting to NASA with this dream that we were going to bring back samples from Bennu. Insiders say the samples would help scientists better understand how Earth and life formed. Environmental activist Greta Thunberg has joined hundreds of climate protesters demonstrating outside a meeting of oil and gas companies in central London. The industry leaders are meeting for the Energy Intelligence Forum at the Intercontinental Hotel in Park Lane. Representatives from energy companies, including Shell, Total, and Equinor, are attending a three-day conference. Speaking during the protest, Thunberg accused the fossil fuel industry of doing nothing about the consequences of the climate crisis caused by them. The world is drowning in fossil fuels. Our hopes and dreams and lives are being washed away by a flood of greenwashing and lies. It has been clear for decades that the fossil fuel industries were well aware of the consequences of their business models, and yet they have done nothing. The opposite: they have actively delayed, distracted, and denied the causes of the climate crisis, and spread doubt about their own engagement in it. Thunberg inspired global youth movement, demanding stronger efforts to fight climate change. After staging weekly protests outside a Swedish parliament starting in 2018, the Amazon's second-largest tributary, the Negro River, has reached its lowest level since official measurement began over 120 years ago. The record confirms this part of the world's largest rainforest is suffering its worst drought, just a little over two years after its most significant flooding. On Monday morning, the water level in the city's port went as low as 13.5 meters, down from over 30 meters registered in June 2021, its highest level on record. Throughout Brazil's Amazon, low river levels have left hundreds of riverine communities isolated and struggling to get access to drinkable water. The drought has also disrupted commercial navigation that supplies Manaus, a city of two million with a large industrial park. This is Sui in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China's economy grows faster than expected. Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home.
Stock markets on the Chinese mainland finished lower on Wednesday. Shanghai Composite was down 0.8%. Shenzhen Component lost over 1.2%. In Hong Kong, the Hansen Index was down over 0.2%. In Japan, the Nikkei almost kept flat. Data from the National Bureau of Statistics shows China's gross domestic product grew 5.2% year-on-year in the first three quarters of this year. The country's GDP reached more than 19.3 trillion yuan, or about 12.5 trillion U.S. dollars during the period. During the third quarter, the GDP expanded 4.9% on a yearly basis. For more on the latest economic figures, Li Liu spoke with the Darius Town, Associate Director of Corporates at Fitch Boha. So look at China's number of 4.9% growth for Q3. Uh, that is beating most market expectations. How do you think did the BRI contribute to China's economic performance? Well, I think China's economic data in the third quarter sent a very positive signal to the market with multiple indicators, including consumption, industrial added value, and unemployment rate, all exceeding market expectations. This indicates a good momentum of steady economic recovery, which is happening in China. The contribution of the Belt and Road Initiative, known as the BRI, to China's economic growth is obvious to all. China's export growth to countries along the Belt and Road has eased the export pressure and the situation of weak global demand and intensifying geopolitical competitions. China is currently the third largest trading partner among 114 BRI participating countries, and among them, the largest trading partner among 68 countries. So the growth of the export to these participating countries is of great benefit to Chinese companies in terms of expanding overseas markets and offsetting domestic growth challenges as well. For instance, the new overseas construction orders for engineering companies and the export rise of building and uh, materials as well as vehicles all have very favorable impacts on China's macroeconomic growth. So what do you think are the uh, key supporting factors behind the growth in the uh, Q3? Uh, just as we mentioned, the economic data for the third quarter and the continuous stimulation of microeconomic policies beat market expectations, enhancing the confidence for market participants. Both consumption and investment data show the support for the rise of the economy. From January to September, the total retail sales of consumer goods increased by 6.8, with catering revenue still presenting a, the most impressive performance indicator. The higher growth rate on commodity retail also recorded in gold, silver, jewelry items, as well as clothing, shoes, whose growth rate all exceeded 10 percentage points. Also, the retail sales of service increased by 18.9% in the first three quarters, reflecting a strong recovery momentum in the service industry. In general, the contribution of consumption to economic growth in the first nine months of this year was over 80%. So in the first three quarters, fixed assets investment, on the other hand, grew by 3.1, mainly contributed by infrastructure and manufacturing investments. Real estate investment, however, still filed by more than 9% year on year, becoming the drag on the growth of the economy. But this does not affect the path of sustained recovery and high-quality development reflected in China's economic development. 
That was Darius Tang, associate director of corporates at Fitch Bohua, giving his analysis on China's latest GDP figures and future economic growth. BRI participating countries have joined to create an open, fair, and equitable environment for digital development. This can be achieved by strengthening facilitation of and co- cooperation on rules and standards. By the end of last year, China has signed MOUs on e-commerce cooperation with 30 countries. This included MOUs on closer investment cooperation in the digital economy with 18 countries and regions. It's proposed and worked to launch the initiative for building the ASEAN-China Partnership on Digital Economy Cooperation. As well as the BRICS Digital Economy Partnership Framework, among others, he also took the lead in formulating the framework of standards on cross-border e-commerce. A number of key projects, such as the China ASEAN Information Harbor and the digital platform of China Euro Railway Express, have made good progress. China has built many 5G base stations, data centers, and smart cities nationwide. They've also promoted digital upgrading and transformation of traditional infrastructure, such as ports, railways, and energy networks. The strike by American auto workers against the top three U.S. automakers has entered its second month. Dan Williams spoke with analysts and striking workers to learn about the impacts on different sectors. A group of striking workers take a moment to pray outside a Ford factory in Wayne, Michigan. Amen. The strike by the United Auto Workers, the UAW, against the so-called Big Three automakers, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, has now entered its second month. Experts calculate that the strike has already cost the auto industry more than seven billion dollars, and it's not just the automakers that are affected. The ripple-down economic impact on parts suppliers, especially smaller operations, are also feeling the repercussions of the strike. Already vulnerable after the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, experts fear some could be forced out of business altogether. We have to look at the supplier loss, and there are many suppliers who rely on manufacturers to perform day in day out. It happened during the COVID-19 pandemic. We noted that suppliers, especially two tier two and three or three, they are They get in, they become endangered、um, because obviously they may not have deep pockets to fall back on. This week, the automakers and union leaders continue to spar publicly. Ford executive chair Bill Ford warned that the strike threatens the future livelihood of the company as well as the American automotive industry. In reply, the UAW said, "If Ford wants to be an all-American company, it can pay all-American wages and benefits." We fight. We win. For the workers on the front line of this strike, the impact has already been significant. The money they received during the strike, some 500 U.S. dollars, is way below their regular wage. Despite that, there is a determination among many here to see this through. We're going to fight up until the end. Everything from the top leadership at the local, at the region, at the international level—they're all willing to fight. Well, guess what? We are going to follow. Now is the time. It ends with us being able to have a decent way of living. You know, inflation is very high right now. Cost of living—we don't have that, so we're struggling with paying our bills, taking care of families. To sacrifice today for a better tomorrow. Despite the tensions, talks are ongoing, and there is hope on both sides that a deal can be reached sooner rather than later. In the meantime, workers here are bracing themselves for the long haul. That was Dan Williams reporting.
The 43rd edition of the Golf Information and Technology Exhibition Global, the world's largest technology and startup exhibition, is underway in Dubai. The five-day event attracted over 6,000 companies from 180 countries, including renowned brands, to exhibit their latest products. Themed with the year to imagine AI in everything, the event showcases various cutting-edge AI products. UAE-based tech firm Aspire launches the latest version of driverless cars at the event. Tom McCarthy is the company executive director. Just today, unveiled our car.、Uh, this car is going to race autonomously. We are bringing teams from all over the world. Ten teams from all over the world.、Uh, and I'd like to mention that the Beijing Institute of Technology will be racing here. The future race car drivers are going to be coders. There are 41 exhibition halls altogether, 10 of which are related to artificial intelligence. It's estimated that more than 180,000 visitors from all over the world are participating in the event. You are listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, England beat Italy to secure their place at Euro 2024. Sideline Story brings you all things sports-related: the hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Turning to sports, here is Brendan Yates. Thank you, Suyi. We begin with football news, and England produced a scintillating comeback to beat Italy 3-1 at Wembley and secure their place at Euro 2024. Gareth Southgate's side fell behind to Gianluca Scamacca's early opener, but captain Harry Kane led the response. He converted a penalty, then scored a clinical second after a breakaway goal from Marcus Rashford. England manager Gareth Southgate says he is glad to see England's early qualification. Really pleased to to win the game tonight. That's the first thing.、Um, we know that the games against the top top nations are the ones that we want to make a step forward with. Yeah, we, we still need to win the games next month because it can affect seeding. So. Yeah, nice, nice to get it done early. I think it's probably the toughest qualifying group. Elsewhere in selected Euro 2024 qualifiers, Manchester United's Rasmus Højlund continued his goal-scoring form to help Denmark defeat San Marino 2-1. Ukraine beat Malta 3-1, and Serbia earned the same scoreline victory over Montenegro, with Alexander Mitrovic bagging a brace in the 3-1 win. Fans of Sweden's football teams will be advised against wearing clothing in national colours when they travel abroad. This came after the killing of two Swedish supporters before a European Championship qualifying match in Belgium. At least one of the men shot dead in the incident in Brussels on Monday was wearing a Swedish football jersey. With regards to the abandoned match, Sweden coach Jani Andersson believes that football is not an important topic during this time. I shouldn't say this, but somehow it's really not important right now. Had this match mattered, a place in the Euros, then perhaps. But for our part, we are unfortunately out, and from that perspective, I don't think we should be playing football when such things happen in the world. Then it's better that we try to sort out our society. Defender Viktor Lindelof echoed this sentiment. I totally agree with Yanni. Belgium have already qualified now, and we don't have the possibility to do so. So I can't see any use in finishing the game. Sweden's players returned to their clubs on Tuesday after taking an overnight flight following the suspension of their match against Belgium at halftime. 
Neymar suffered an apparent knee injury during Brazil's World Cup qualifying match at Uruguay. The 31-year-old striker tripped and fell during a run in the 44th minute and was carried off on a stretcher. He was also seen in tears as he left the field. Brazil eventually lost the game 2-0, which is their first defeat of the current World Cup qualifying campaign. Argentina beat Peru 2-0, with Lionel Messi scoring the two goals in just 10 minutes. The Italian Football Federation has banned Juventus midfielder Nicolo Fagioli for seven months following betting violations. Fagioli agreed to a plea bargain with the federation that included therapy for gambling addiction. In a far-reaching case with prosecutors in Turin, Premier League players Sandro Tonali and Nicolo Zainolo were questioned by police at Italy's training camp last week and more Serie A players could be implicated. Fagioli has reportedly never bet on matches involving Juventus. The Netherlands claimed a magnificent scalp at the Cricket World Cup, beating South Africa in rampant style. Skipper Scott Edwards made an unbeaten 78 as the previously winless Dutch shocked a Proteus side who had looked impressive in their opening two-game victories. The Netherlands posted 245 for 8 in a match reduced to 43 overs aside by rain. In reply, South Africa were in early trouble at 44 for 4 and then were eventually bowled out for 207 in the final over. Elsewhere at the World Cup, the Pakistan cricket team has been struck by a viral infection. Several players have been affected by flu and high fever. Most are understood to be on the mend, but several did not attend this week's optional training session. South African Rugby World Cup winning flyhalf Andre Pollard is excited by the physical challenge of their semi-final clash. Defending champion South Africa will take on England in a repeat of the 2019 final. I think they'll be ruthless. I think they'll take their intensity and physicality to a whole new level. But that being said, we're prepared for that. We're ready for that and we enjoy that. That's always a part of the game that we love. And if there's going to be beef, there's going to be beef. It stays rugby, it's 80 minutes and we've got to just go out and play the game. Pollard himself has made an incredible return to the team. He landed a crucial 53-metre penalty in the quarterfinal against host nation France, having only returned to the team in the last two weeks after a lengthy spell out of action due to injury. One of Major League Baseball's biggest stars, Bryce Harper, wants to take a swing at the Olympics. The Philadelphia Phillies slugger said it would be a dream to play for Team USA when baseball returns for the 2028 Los Angeles Games. Harper, who turned 31 on Monday, has long been an advocate of Major League Baseball taking a break during the season to allow major leaguers to play in the Olympics. Harper said his wife texted him a happy birthday message attached to news about baseball's return to the Games at LA 2028. And finally, Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green will miss the remaining two games of the NBA basketball preseason as he recovers from a left lateral ankle sprain. The news also puts Green's status for the regular season opener up in the air. Warriors coach Steve Kerr said Green is considered questionable for their first game of the regular season, which is slated for October 24th against the Phoenix Suns. Green has been cleared to begin light on-court workouts, such as shooting drills, but will not return to full team practice or scrimmages just yet. He will be re-evaluated again on Sunday. Thank you very much. That was Brendan Yates. Coming up in culture and entertainment, the Baltimore Road media community continues to expand. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men Days of Future Past. You are listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi everyone, I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China 
and the world. Culture and entertainment. Yang Guang joins us now. Thank you, Sui. The Belt and Road Media Community, an international media cooperative mechanism, is continuing to expand, build new partnerships, and bring out more co-productions. Cao Bin has this report from events in Beijing to review the achievements of the community. The Belt and Road Media Community, or BRMC, an international media cooperative mechanism initiated by China Media Group, has achieved fruitful results since establishment seven years ago. At the event for the Belt and Road International Film and Television Cooperation Achievements in Beijing, Hu Jinjun, Vice President of China Media Group, said the community is building high-quality partnerships and promoting in-depth media cooperation. In recent years, China Media Group has initiated several international media cooperation mechanisms, including European Media Partners, Silk Road Video News Alliance, and so on. And the Belt and Road Media Community now has 146 member institutions from 64 countries and regions around the world. Together with partners from other countries, we contribute wisdom to building a fair, objective, positive. And healthy global public opinion environment. In the past seven years, a number of film and television documentaries co-produced by community members have been released. The latest, China Through the Lenses, was filmed by 14 photographers from different countries, telling the story of development and changes in China to the world from their own perspectives. It made its world premiere at the ceremony. Representatives from global partners have praised the achievements of the community and sent their best wishes for the future. We have very much enjoyed our relationship with CCTV,、uh, making programs about Chinese history and culture for a global audience, working together to tell those stories. Our collaboration is a perfect example of sincere integration, mutual learning, especially through cultural exchange. Together, we will actively play the role of the platform and a bridge, deepen multicultural exchanges, and promote in-depth and solid circular media cooperation. With Russia Today and the national TV station of Nicaragua signing the MOU of the community, the number of BRMC members has risen to 64. The community is also expecting an animation, The Panda and Little Elephant. Media from China and Thailand in the near future. Under the cooperative mechanism, China Media Group and all its international partners are working to promote media communication and to present a world of civilization and harmony through high-quality productions with comprehensive views. That was Cao Bing in Beijing. The 19th China International Photographic Arts Exhibition will be held in Zhuhai, Guangdong Province, in 2024. It will showcase the exploratory and the practical photographic achievements made by photographers over recent years. The exhibition aims to promote exchange, integration, and development of and、uh, photographic cultures in various countries and regions worldwide. Photography groups and photographers from all countries and regions are welcome to submit their works. And finally, a translation and award named after Chinese master translator and writer Fu Lei has revealed this year's ten finalists at the French Culture Center in Beijing. 
selected from 46 French to Chinese works. The shortlist comprises five volumes of each. The two final winners will be selected from each category a month later in Guangdong. Meanwhile, the Newcomer Awards initiated in 2013 will be presented to one newfound talent in translating. The Fulay Translating and uh, Publishing Awards was founded by the French Embassy in China in 2009 to recognize outstanding translators and publishing houses. Thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with Culture and Entertainment. A quick check on the weather. Beijing is 11 overnight. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 21. Chongqing has moderate rain with 20 this evening. Tomorrow, cloudy with a high of 21. Lhasa is 2 overnight. Tomorrow, cloudy with 12. Hong Kong has heavy rain with 23 tonight. Tomorrow, showers with a high of 27. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour Making News Today. Chinese President Xi Jinping announced the steps for high-quality Belt and Road cooperation. Hundreds killed in a hospital blast in Gaza. Ukraine has deployed long-range missiles supplied by the U.S. On behalf of the staff, this is Sui in the Chinese capital, hoping you will join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open the window to the world together. Takeaway Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Takeaway Chinese, we will promise you a difference. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. From North to South, East to West, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. 